Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I am the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBAschool.com. And today we have what is now what seems to be an MBA Insider, an MBA School veteran, Ben Liner, um, on the podcast. And we're going to talk about product marketing and specifically using your time in business school to transition into product marketing and, and what that actually looks like. Um, Ben's a product marketer. He's got a great story for why he became a product marketer, and we're going to drill into it and, and get into the mind of, of what of what Ben actually does as a product marketer. So, Ben, thanks again for, for joining. Um, we're separated, I think, maybe by like a mile, if that, but, um, uh, but I still appreciate you jumping on this virtual uh, chat. But uh, let's start with, um, you know, you're a Darden alum. You graduated in 2019. But take me back a little bit. Um, how did you realize that product marketing was was what you wanted to do? Well, uh, first off, thank you uh, again for having me, Al. Um, a mile uh, typically uh, is not a long way, but it, it feels like a long way in our uh, ashen snow globe. That is, it and it's also technically uphill. My my way coming to you, so it feels even longer. But. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like uh, we aren't getting the, the quad workouts that we used to uh, up in the SF Hills. Um, and uh, yes, and, and I feel like you should start uh, a friend of the pod program because I feel like I'm a friend of the pod. You're always you having Very so much. I, I, I appreciate that. So your question is, how did I get into product marketing? And how did I discover it? So um, before Darden, I worked in politics. And one of the things I did is I ran an advocacy group called My Ride to Vote, which worked with Uber and Lyft on rides to the polls programs for low-income and disadvantaged voters to make sure everyone could make their voice heard on election day. And that was my first exposure to tech. It was my first exposure not only to um, what tech can do to address sort of an acute problem, in this case, getting folks to the polls, and then sort of overlap with a societal problem, uh, which is like, what is the role of a tech company? Do we just make profits or can we, can we have other functions as well? And what is our obligation there? So that was my first sort of entree into the, the tech world. Um, I didn't know anything about functions of a tech company when I entered business school. Like I didn't even know what a product manager was. So um, I'm betraying my East Coast roots here. And so what I did, and this was not just for tech, but it was for in, in business school generally, is I, um, I did a bunch of reading about what are all the functions out there in a tech company. And when I compared those functions with my experiences before business school, uh, product marketing made the most sense. And so I... I delved a little deeper there to learn more about it. And, I, and my hypothesis was borne out. And that's, that's where I fit best. 
Thanks for that. And two things I wanted to just pile on. You can't see it, but behind me, there's a book and it's called Entering Startup Land, which you gave me the recommendation for. And I believe that's, that's one of the books that you mentioned you had, you had read. And I literally just got it and I just started reading it. So uh, we'll, we're going to link that in the show notes because I'm going to put words in your mouth here, but it, I, I think you read it and it sounds like it was, was helpful based off of our past conversation. So that's a really great one. But the other thing which I was, uh, would love to hear you kind of talk about is the process you described makes a ton of sense. Look at some of the functions, try to understand what they are, see where you kind of fit. Could you share a little bit more about what within what you did within politics, you know, really resonated in terms of the role within being a product marketer, or at least when you first started learning more about product marketing, like where did you see that fit? Where did you see that alignment from some of those past experiences that you had? It's an excellent question. So for those of you uh, who aren't well-versed on Al's podcast and on my past appearance on it, Entering Startup Land is a book by a guy named Jeffrey Busgang. He teaches venture capital at HBS. And the book is written explicitly for joiners. And so each chapter is about a different function at a tech company. And each sub-chapter under each is a different flavor. So under marketing, you would do content marketing, product marketing, digital marketing, you name it. Uh, and so you can align yourself and your past experiences to those things. In my case, um, I, in, in the political sphere, not just with my right to vote, but when I was at the Atlantic Media Company and before that at a polling firm, my core competency was, was gaining empathy, both through quantitative analysis and qualitative interviews with a lot of times the voters um, to understand what, what would motivate them to choose a particular candidate or back a particular issue. And that actually has remarkable parallels to the world of product marketing um, because even though the choice, um, the choice of different software, for example, even though it isn't as emotionally fraught as a choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, there are still an emotional component to it. And so I saw in product marketing the opportunity to synthesize customer data, interviews, uh, you know, surveys, et cetera, really gain empathy for where they sat and, and craft messaging that positioned a product as an emotional response to a problem they were having. And so I, I thought, um, you know, the parallels were, uh, were not obvious, uh, but pretty uncanny. I'm, I'm disappointed that you don't think that people can get extremely passionate about ERP software. And, um, you know, it just seems like the most invigorating of, uh, of products that's, that's out there. But uh, your, point's, your point's well taken. Uh, again, I'm, I'm recalling here, but I think you've said this before, but one of your mantras or... I don't want to, I would be, I'm going to stop short of calling it a hot take, but uh, I think you said once that politicians are just bad products. Does that sound about right? That, that sounds right. Although, uh, you know, in this particular season, we sometimes have to swallow the bitter pill. Fair enough. Uh, but that, that's neither here nor there. Sure. I think that's absolutely true because elections are competitive marketing situations. You've got finite number of competitors competing for market share, trying to address different parts of the market with their relative strengths and weaknesses. Uh, and that's what you do in enterprise software. It's what you do in consumer goods. It's, it's marketing straight up. Um, a 
tell you, I'll give you actually a specific example of how, when I learned this. My summer in business school, I interned on the Jira software team at Atlassian, which is a fantastic company. And um, my responsibility there was to develop uh, messaging and go-to-market plan for a new feature that was coming out called Jira Roadmaps, which exists in the product for those of you who are familiar with Jira. And the question is, how do you, how do you describe functionality of um, sort of Gantt charts and bars and dates to people in a way that's gonna get them excited? And actually the insight there was, we weren't actually selling the feature. We weren't trying to, um, you know, get people excited about Gantt charts. What we were actually trying to get people excited about was the fact that if you showed a manager a Gantt chart, as opposed to what's in a sprint planning in JIRA, you just show them something simple that they can understand, they'll stop, you know, they'll get off your back about deadlines and they won't put as much pressure on you. So we weren't selling Gantt charts, we were selling relief from managerial oversight and micromanaging. And as any listener could know, that's a, it's a much easier sell. Um, and that's the power of customer research because it delivers those kinds of insights uh, and allows you to describe products in a way that people will form an emotional connection and ultimately purchase them. Well, and as you're, as you're saying that and describing that, I'm also envisioning a world in your former life when you did similar research in terms of trying to understand whether it was for my ride to vote or any of the other things in politics where you're going out and you're trying to understand what your, you know, potential um, voter base or segment is, you know, what, what their, what their problems are, what resonates with them, um, what they're really looking for, you know, all those types of, all those types of uh, insights that would help you uh, either understand how to speak to a particular audience or, come up with a particular message geared toward a specific audience. And so as you kind of describe that, that, that to me, that's what I see a little bit of in terms of trying to make that translation between how does my past life and, and politics, you know, fit within the context of what I might do as a, as a product marketer. Yeah. I mean, without going into too many specific examples from my past life, there's a glaring examples from our present you know, say what you want about him. And I have very few good things to say, but Donald Trump is really good at empathizing with 40% of the American people, or at least 40% of the people who voted in, you know, 2016. Uh, and his messaging isn't technocratic. It isn't descriptive. It isn't policy driven or talking about the specifics of what he's did, he will do uh, or has done. He says things like build the wall which forms an emotional connection with an audience around sort of shared masculine values or a vision of whatever made America great in 1950. Um, these are not sort of descriptive, rational messages. These are emotional connections with an audience. And, you know, I don't know if, if Trump has the technical training of a, of a PMM, in my case at LinkedIn, in your case at Salesforce, right? Um, but I think he viscerally understands that, that that empathy and forming that connection with an audience is, is invaluable for getting people to be enthusiastic about and purchase a product or vote for him in this case. Sure, sure. So, but let's not have the takeaway of this podcast be, be more like Donald Trump. No, but that, that we'll, we'll make sure that we do not hone in on that point. 
but I want to talk a little bit more too, just about, so I know you mentioned you internet Atlassian, um, just for the short circuit, this for the audience, you know, you've also, uh, interviewed with LinkedIn, I'm sorry, AR at LinkedIn, uh, interviewed at Uber, or a couple other companies. How did you uh, take Atlassian, right? How did you position yourself there? Right. I'm assuming you didn't have a whole lot of experience with the systems development lifecycle and implementing, uh, <laughs> implementing product roadmaps. So what, what, what were the types of things that you had to really think about when you went and apply to a role there to position yourself to, to land that, that opportunity for the summer internship? So I think uh, an editorial comment before I directly answer that question. Um, I think uh, a view on quote unquote past experience that focuses only on job title and not on what someone is actually good at is a really myopic view. Mm -hmm. And yep. is a function of the fact of how hard it is to get a job out here when you get a hundred resumes for a posting. Yeah. It's much easier to filter that list down by saying who's got product marketing experience. But I, I dare say that if someone's smart and has related experience in a different industry or um, has done simple, similar tasks, that person might be just as qualified, if not more for a job to all you hiring managers sitting out there listening. And so uh, related Related to that idea is I got the job because they needed someone who knew how to do what I knew how to do, which was this customer research bit. They wanted us, me, as actually part of my summer, I designed and redefined their personas for their business, so their, their buyer personas. So um, I just sort of knew some of the best professional advice I've ever ever received is especially earlier in your career to focus on your verbs what do you know how to do that can add value to an organization um, the answer isn't product marketing it's things like ask good questions it's collaborate cross-functionally it's explain things really very well and so i anchored on my verb of of you know customer interviewing asking good questions getting to the heart of problems and synthesizing information at last and said well that guy can do that uh, and he's demonstrated that in his past life, and we don't care if he knows what SaaS means. Uh, he, he's the guy we need for this job. And so it really worked out that way. Um, it also goes to show that if you know your story, you can talk your way into pretty much anything. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you and definitely agree to the shout out to hiring managers. Um, I think that at least two also for, 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 for companies that are looking to hire MBA interns, I think if they have any experience hiring MBAs, there's probably someone also of an acknowledgement that not every candidate's going to have the, the perfect background or experience um, because part of business school is that, is that, you know, the, the, the transition, if you will. But to your point, it is incumbent, I think, be, uh, uh, in the students to, to do that, that inner and outer work, right? So the outer work of understanding, you know, you had to go out and understand what Atlassian was looking for, right? In terms of, the role and the skills and then the inner work in terms of figuring out, all right, well, what part of me is the one, the, the parts of the verbs I want to talk about that really connects with, with, with what their, with, with what the opportunity is. And so um, it, I don't think it's unheard of. Like I think most students kind of intuitively know that and grasp that, but I think that, I mean, you've always struck me as a pretty self-aware person. And so I'm sure it required some work and some thought, but having a good sense of what those verbs are is probably a, a really critical ability to, 
or exercise to do if you haven't done it already. Right, and I, I think um, I think the key lesson here is that a lot of business schools will bring a lot of companies to campus yeah. and say this is the menu of options that you have, but really if you have an MBA, and this also depends somewhat on your past experience, you can do pretty much anything except be like a doctor, a lawyer, or a priest. And there are different programs for those things that you might have done already. So maybe you can be those things. My point is that you shouldn't sell yourself short by only sticking to the list that a career center provides. Business school is a unique opportunity not only to do that self-exploration, but also to go out into the world and say, what all is possible and once you get a, an understanding of who you are in the state of the possible, you can play a matching game. And, and perhaps that company is on campus for you, but maybe it isn't. And you owe it to yourself to go get those things. Especially, by the way, in a virtual world where sure. you know, a lot of companies will or will not recruit at a specific school because they can't physically send their people there or they don't want to. But now, um, as we talked about in the outset of the call, like a mile away, a thousand. So sure. you have the opportunity to have conversations that you might not have otherwise had access to. So when you were at Darden, outside of obviously getting up, doing your research, reading, entering startup land, some of those things, was there anything else in particular, whether it was inside or outside of the classroom that you went and did that was helpful to either learning about product marketing, building skills towards that, that internship role or that full-time role, or just getting exposed to it just throughout that MBA experience? Um, there were several courses, uh, especially in business school, you know, foundational marketing being one of them that helped me in my job currently. You know, fundamental statistics, learning how to, to, to play around in Excel, like that's all helpful. But you know, honestly, and this is, you're, you're interviewing me about product marketing, so I'm saying something that might be a little bit of slanderous. Um, I'm not wed to the idea of being a product marketer forever. My goal in getting a product marketing job out of business school was to get my foot in the company and see, A, whether the role was a fit, B, whether I was sort of learning the right stuff, and C, whether I wanted to change functions uh, at all. And then really taking a longer view, D, like whether my home was in tech at all or whether I wanted to just learn a bunch of stuff, use a tech company as a learning opportunity and then pivot back into politics or nonprofits. So um, I thought of my business school education not as an opportunity to learn about how to get one job. I thought about it as preparing myself for a, a, a lifetime of work and, and exploration and change. Um, and I, you know, I think we owe ourselves that opportunity because um, our careers are really long and we, unlike our parents, uh, change jobs more often and are, do multiple things. And so rather than optimizing for specialization at such a young age, I think it might be prudent to optimize around becoming a generalist. Um, and, you know, putting as many tools in your, in your, in your toolkit as possible so that you can do a lot of damage wherever you are. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, slightly slanderous, but I'll, I'll allow it because it's also true. Um, the first job out of business school is not going to be your last one for about 99% of the students who graduate from business school. So I think you're absolutely right. It would behoove yourself to focus on building skills that will endure uh, for, for a while. 
Um, and even our, I would argue that there's probably an emphasis you should actually be placing on just the entire process of learning how to acquire a new skill, because you will at some point have to do that again, probably rely on something like LinkedIn learning to do it in the process. They didn't pay me to say that. I'm, I'm just saying it. Um, but no, I, I think there's absolutely something to be said about that. And I'm also living proof of that. I mean, I'm in my second career after business school already. Um, so I, 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 I totally agree. I think what I was, I, what I think there's probably value in, or I, I I'm going to assume, you know, for at least in your case, you know, coming from not working in the tech world, right. To wanting to transition into the tech world is there were probably some things you did that gave you a good understanding of this is what, this is what this tech thing looks like, right? Like the, here are the types of companies that exist. Here's the business model. Here are the types of opportunities that, you know, exist and um, getting more exposure to what that looks like, because I do think you're right. Um, you don't, you can't predict where you're going to be in, in, you know, you, in your case, it doesn't sound like you necessarily um, wanted to predict something for five or 10 years, but you probably did want to at least get something that was going to enable you to, you know, thrive in whatever tech company that you ended up at. Right. And um, at least some baseline understanding of what that could look like. And so you could succeed in that kind of role. Yeah. Um, you, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Well, and, and part of the reason why I bring this point up is the other aspect of this is that, particularly within product marketing as it relates to tech, well, you know, tech looks different in a lot of ways, or there's a lot of diversity in tech and not a lot of diversity in tech. There's a lot of diversity in the types of tech companies and the products they deliver and sell. Right. And what you might do at a company is going to vary depending on what that product or whatever it is like is. Um, and, and I mean, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, there's the odd sort of B2B versus B2C difference, then yeah. there's the difference of saying, okay, how does a marketing function scale at a small company versus a big company? Mm-hmm. And then there's another variable of how technical that product is. Yeah. So for example, at a company like Twilio, where the product is lines of code, there's not a lot of sort of qualitative interviews where I could go sit with someone and say, I need, you know, some extra dashes next to my periods uh, that, you know, I don't know how to write code. I can't go back to a product team and tell them how to, how to, yeah. you know, to, to write that. So a lot of that, you know, a lot of product marketing in a company like that would be marketing enablement, sort of sure. the right stories told and to the right audiences and sales enablement. And that kind yeah. of thing. So, you know, learning about what the individual sort of types of product marketing skills are and then matching them to the different opportunities. Again, the three variables I think are company size, B2B versus B2C and the technical nature of the product. Yeah. Um, but I, I, for someone like me, I think the advice that I got and didn't realize was valuable until later was from a professor of mine. And I was thinking a lot about these different variables and where I'd fit in and almost ruining the whole thing for myself because I was like, I don't want to do any of this. Uh, and my professor said, well, you know, to learn about what you want to do in your career, you first have to do something. Yeah. So I would say, well, having these, these criteria in mind, uh, do something. Yeah, I 100% agree. And and you won't, in part of it, it will be hard to know until you do. Um, so I, I, I think that, I think that makes, that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so let's, let's talk about doing product marketing. Um, so you're a product marketer, hooray. Um, 
what do you what do you like about it? You know, what what are the parts of it that you really that you really enjoy about you know what you do every day? I think my colleagues would in different functions might might differ on this assessment, but I think the PMM, at least at LinkedIn, is the closest thing you get to pure strategy. Um, I have cross-functional relationships with pretty much the entire business and have visibility and the customer perspective to say, like, this is the market opportunity, this is how we should address that market opportunity. I'm going to make recommendations to these different groups and influence them to try to see the world the way I see it. Um, now, one of the drawbacks about PMM is that you're like a general without an army. You are only as powerful as you are uh, influential of others. But I love that that view across the business and my ability to to, to sort of develop strategy that way. Yeah, I I, I would agree with that. Um, I'm obviously biased. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that influence piece? Because I know it's something that I bring up a lot and I talk to a lot of people a lot, but sometimes I don't think it fully like registers in terms of what that means or what that entails. So could you talk a little bit about either how you have to go about doing that in order to be successful or, or why it is so critical as a PMM to be able to have that skill or that muscle? So that's a great question. I would say, I mean, I think that the, the easy answer is that um, product marketing doesn't exist without the word product. And so, you know, establishing that relationship with product is essential. Uh, and, and having that being a trusted bilateral relationship is, is essential. Um, I would say the most important skill, and again, this is coming from someone who is, has less than 18 months of formal product marketing experience. But from my angle, the most important skill a product marketer can have is listening. Because you have to be able to scope the problem. And that's not just scoping the problem within the context of the business, but you also have to learn how to scope problems with regard to your cross-functional partners. So if, for example, if you need data science resources, to help answer a specific question. Not only do you have to contextualize that question in the context of the entire business, but you also have to contextualize that problem with, with regard to all the other things that are on that data science person's plate. So you get on the phone with data science, knowing what the objective that you want is that that person be assigned to whatever tech problem you're working on and you, and you actually spend the first five minutes of the call being like, how's your day going? like developing that empathy just as you would a customer um, and say, hey, like this is, this is the problem we see and letting, having the, the EQ to, to pitch the solution in the context of the business and the, the partner's own life. Yeah. And reaching consensus with that person such that we can achieve the business objective and strengthen a personal bond without ramming a priority down their throat. Because I think what the PMM risks is saying, you know, I have all this all this uh, visibility, therefore I know what we should do in all situations. And uh, I'm just going to tell you what to do. And that is the fastest way to make enemies. Um, so I would say 
you know, understanding that you don't exist without your partners and then really listening and empathizing with them so that you can work together effectively. I like how you, number one, talked about the importance of empathy, but also the point you made about your customer being an internal audience sometimes. And I think that is something that, I mean, we talk all the time about how product marketers need to be you know, customer focused or customer centric or what have you. And that is very much a very true statement. But what sometimes gets lost in that shuffle is that a lot of times your customer is internal, whether, um, and, and the, I think the example you gave is, is absolutely one of them, right? In terms of um, someone who you need to get something done for you or someone who's critical to enabling like your ability to, to do something um, or whose inputs heavily influence what you end up doing, whether that's product or sales or customer success or whatever it is. but that, that notion of the customer takes on a whole new meaning, even internally within your company when you're a product marketer. Um, so you, you said you've done this 18 months, still learning, that's great. Um, I've got you by like 10 months, so um, that's about it. But what do you know now that if you had known it, what do you know now about product marketing that if you had known it sooner, would have, you know, helped or made you, you know, even better than where you are. Be patient. Yeah. I think, I think the first six months of being a product marketer, granted, I never worked in a public publicly traded company. I never worked in a really a big corporate setting at all. I never worked in tech. I never worked formally in marketing except for my internship. So I was like, I've got an MBA and I'm super eager and I want to learn. Let me make all these recommendations for all the things we got to do. When actually executing within a large company, especially is all about learning how the company functions, learns, breathes, acts. And I think I would have spared myself a lot of headache had I just listened and I, and I don't know if, I don't know if listen is almost the right word because this idea of pedagogy in corporate setting, like how to onboard a new company, a lot of the questions framed like what, like what learning content, what videos can I put in front of my employees such that they watch this and know how to do their job? And one of the things I learned, not just at LinkedIn, but also at Darden, where the core curriculum is so rigorous and they throw you in the deep end of finance and accounting and say, good luck, is that learning occurs just by sensing things. Just you take on the quality sometimes of the water you're swimming in. And sometimes, and, and that process takes time and patience. And I think if I were to speak to me, you know, a year ago when I was onboarding at LinkedIn, I would have, I would have, inculcated a little bit of wisdom. I think that's a great point. And I think it's applicable, particularly for MBAs who are, who haven't worked in a large corporation before. There is a way of working and way of operating that exists. It's not perfect. There's it's fraught with problems and challenges. It needs to be better, but it's what a lot of companies got right now. And it certainly is being thrown for a loop through COVID in, in many ways. Right. But it's the reality of it. So the word that came to mind as you were saying this is more of observe um, and generate insights off it, but observe and watch, you know, watch the way that work gets done, watch how decisions are made, watch and observe 
who gets to make the decisions and, 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 and how they, how they make them. And then when it's your turn to act that inform that, that insight that you generate from watching and observing informs how you act and how you engage and how you stakeholder and how you build relationships. But, but yes, I, I, I agree. And it's definitely something that, I mean, even from someone who came from, you know, and I worked at Deloitte, Deloitte was a very large company, but really learning how, you know, a large corporation like runs and operates, it does take some time to really, to really learn the ins and outs of. It's not something that comes intuitively, or at least it didn't for me. It doesn't sound like it did for you either. So uh, hardly. Uh, and you also have to be patient with yourself because yeah. if you enter into that environment, you're going to screw up. Yeah. And, you know, cultivating that, that resilience inside of a company to know like, okay, I just got slapped on the wrist for doing something like, don't do it again. It's, you're not going to lose your job. You're yeah. great. Uh, and that perspective is helpful too. Yeah. So I know I'm sure you do a lot of informational interviews. I know you do talk a lot with students. Um, just to close out here, what, what's some advice you have uh, for students who are considering, you know, careers in product marketing who are MBA students? You know, what, what advice do you have either for them or just in general? You know, how do you prepare yourself best to, to make this transition much like you were able to do successfully yourself a couple years ago? Well, I think to, to harken back to something we talked about earlier, I think taking the long view of your career is important. Um, and recognizing that whatever you do first out of business school is something that you're doing for now. Another tenet, and again, I'm quoting a professor who said something wise, was everyone tells you that you should go learn after you, know, you, you graduate from business school and you should go learn. But the world is filled with infinite knowledge. So the question is learn what and why. So really think about what it is that you want to learn and think about where you can go learn the things that are important to you. You know, for me, it was, I went to business school to learn how to manage people and to run things, how to take something from, from zero to one. Uh, I am learning how to do that in product marketing. I think product marketing makes a great case for being a function where you learn how to do that because it has, you can see across all the functions because you have your finger on the pulse of a, a business strategy and depending on the product, you are right where growth happens. Growth doesn't happen without you. So I think, I think that's important. Um, I think also accepting the fact that a business school, they say it's two years, but it's actually four or five that the first few years of your career after business school are those learning opportunities. And you aren't gonna be solving problems at the altitude that you were when you were looking at a casebook. You're not gonna be making some of those big calls. You're gonna be watching other people make them and contributing inputs to how those decisions are made. And so as much as you are learning how to do the things that, you're, that you do every day, um, you're also learning and observing how other decisions are made, what you would be doing if you were in their shoes. And so sort of having that, that eye out for what's going on around you is, is really important. And then the last thing I'm going to say, which is going to sound trite because it's so overused, but it's having a growth mindset. It's, it's, 
knowing that the best person in the room isn't the person who knows the most and can tell everyone how much they know. The best person in the room is who's ever to, who's, who's the person who can put themselves in a situation where they can acclimate to the available information and elevate the right perspectives to get to a decision that's, that is best for the business. Um, it's the person who brings the people into the room who are able to make a great choice, not the person who knows everything about everything everyone else in the room is supposed to know. So I say, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would say. But I you know, ultimately think one thing I'm honestly learning how to do in my own life is accept the fact that after business school, you know, you got, you likely went to undergrad somewhere, you worked really hard, you got into business school, you graduated business school. There's no next destination to try hard for. You know, you can't run for president until you're 35. So for most, you know, MBA students, it's a, it's a few years down the road. I'm being facetious, of course, but um, you have to take a break and recognize that how lucky you are to have any job in, in COVID and to sort of sit back and, and take it in one day at a time and learn what you can and cut yourself a break. I think that's all great advice. And uh, a wise uh, CEO uh, by the name of Satya once said, uh, being a learn-it-all is being better than a know-it-all. So I think that with that notion of growth mindset, I think that's really, really critical. Uh, not to belittle the other two points you we made. Love, we love Satya. We should, put, we should put that on a mug. Yeah, yeah. But I think that encapsulates uh, the, the lesson you learned very well. Uh, ben, uh, thanks so much for, for joining. Thanks for sharing your journey with product marketing and some of the uh, detailed insights just in terms of um, how you found it and what you're doing. Um, and you're, you're welcome back. You're welcome back anytime. Well, thank you, Al. Uh, and uh, really glad that you're doing this. And, um, you know, your listeners are learning a thing or two, uh, not just from me, but from some of your other guests and, and from you. So um, really appreciate the time. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.